what it is and how it compares to normal lying. You know, I feel two ways about it. The officiating was really poor tonight. Pathological lying used to be called pseudologia fantastica. I like saying that. But we still should have won the game. And it referred to people who told multiple outrageous lies that would border on the fantastic. We were one inch away on a lot of different occasions from winning this game and, and honestly several times very close to running away with this game. And those were more than just simple lies. These would include elaborate details that seem questionably believable. So we're, we're not going to use this excuse. We got to get better. We can't control the officiating. The motive behind the lying wasn't always clear, and sometimes it was just to impress people. I'm so excited for the back half of this year and so excited to keep coaching these guys. So I'm ready to go practice right now. There you go. University of Southern California head football coach Lincoln Riley postgame after taking the loss to Utah in what was an incredible game. Lost in everything is how great Cam Rising was in that game. Wasn't he fantastic? Yeah, just, uh, I just I can't look at him and not think of a pirate with that mustache that he has <laughs> and like the way that he looks. Does he not? Look like he should be on Pirates of the Caribbean as an extra or something, uh, you know? Yeah, or the yeah main, somewhat. Main character. Somewhat. Uh, he was uh, he was nails, though. A couple of late. Real, no no hesitation at all for them. We're going for it. We're going for the win at home, and they punch it in and get it done. Just, uh, just a wild, wild football game. I love, I love too all the negative reaction from all the USC fans and the USC former players, such as Lindale White, two hundred plus from a tight end. Where was the adjustment? With some mad face emojis and the eye emojis that uh, mm. Muleshoe uses all the time. So, you know, you think that. You know, they've gotten off to just such this great start, and they've been rolling. Maybe they'd be like, oh, it's all good, small small setback, we're good, this guy. No, 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 that's not what he got. He, he's getting some heat. And here's a message board post that they had. One more, and we'll move back on to the OU game. Colin, if you're reading this, USC Nation implores you to shine a light on the draconian officiating displayed Saturday night in SLC. You are the only one with the forum and courage to speak out and affect change. Yes, USC is leaving the conference in 2024, but there's a lot of important football to be played between now and then, and we owe it to these young men to give a voice to their strife. Basically calling on Colin Cowher to bring the awful officiating to the forefront. Yeah. Well, so what happens if Colin Cowher brings the awful officiating to the front? Nothing's Nothing. going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, man, sometimes you're on the good end of it. Other times you're on the bad end of it. Uh, you just hope that the calls aren't, you know, right there that at the end that cost you the game. I, Alabama's got way more of a beef than no doubt, man. USC does. Oh, you might I, have more of a beef than USC does. They got a touchdown taken off the board right before half. Right. Yep. Yep. No doubt about that. Alabama, like, that game is over if that interception stands, right? They may cover the spread <laughs> that, that, yeah. that stands. And the the pass interference that was called, I don't know. I just, I didn't see it. And trust me, I was pulling hard for Tennessee 
And I just, I was looking around like, um, I don't know about that one. They got away with that. Dare I say, best case scenario for Mule Shoes' first loss. For OU fans, of course. Lose at the very end of the game, heart ripped out, Caleb Williams cries, Mule Shoe blames it on the officials in the post-game press conference. Ah, It was just a magical Saturday. It really was. Yeah. Very happy yesterday. Well, it was great. And, hey, happy about the way that uh, OU played on Saturday. And I, I, whether it's the way that we're talking, whether it's the way that the text line is responding, there's just – I think everyone acknowledges this defense still has a long ways to go. But there was at least some good to go along with some of the bad that still happened on Saturday. And I think most people feel as optimistic about this offense right now as they have all year long. And how, yeah. how could you not, man? This O-line's really starting. I, I don't think there's been another position group on the team, Teddy, that's progressed more than the offensive line since week one of the season. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about this last week, and it, it was hard to see, and, you know, no one really cared to hear it. But, you know, through that TCU and Texas game, thought the offensive line overall was – you know, one of those bright spots in, in a bunch of bad, not that they were just extraordinary or, or anything, but no, they were solid and backed it up with another really good performance against Kansas. And, you know, it's it's not going to get easier. I, as the schedule, I feel like, somewhat softens, it's not necessarily going to get easier for the offensive line. Iowa State, as we know, is always difficult. Baylor is super tough and physical on the defensive line. That's probably the the bright spot of their football team. And it's going to be right there in the interior against us, which is probably the weakness of our offensive line. Oklahoma State is uh, is really good on the defensive line. Even West Virginia, uh, you know, is is solid on the defensive line. So that aspect of things is is going to be tough. They're going to have to play really well. Why uh, has the O-line been so much better? I guess more of the, like, who? who Like, is it Anton Harrison, the tackles? Like, why has why this been happening here? I think I think Raim has slowly but surely started to get a little bit better. I think uh, Anton Harrison is definitely getting better. He's, he's playing well every single week. Um Murray has been tough, physical, and, uh, you know, finally finding Wanye Morris out there at right tackle and, and him kind of solidifying that spot, I think, has, has really improved everything. And, you know, at left guard, they've started to play with it a little bit. Um, you've got Metallier and Conjol playing some out there, and, you know, I think, think they've just found a good rotation. And if you can get Major back – which, I mean, you're pretty good with the one-two punch that you have right now. But if you get him back and he's healthy and he's ready to go, that's a pretty good one-two-three little punch there at running back to go along with that offensive line. And I, that makes me feel – because I guess now the question is, well, okay, well, Gabriel had his best game this year. He was awesome. But is that going to be the norm moving forward? We'll see. I, I The point is I feel a lot better about that being the case seeing what this running game, I think, is going to be like moving forward. That running game looks like like like, like, like that for the rest of the year. I think Gabriel can be um, as good as he was on Saturday. Yeah, well, I think, I think Gabriel can be good the rest of the season, but 
I wouldn't expect 700 yards of offense. No, to no, no, no. And that's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't think anyone is. Yeah. Now, for sure. So, what is, what's the scuttlebutt on Marcus Major? Do we know like what's going on there? Is this injury no. related? Is it? Has he been passed on the? Depth chart. What's what's the real factor? I there? feel like it's injury related, but I don't. I can't say for one hundred percent certainty that that's it. I, I feel like in a game like that on Saturday, if it wasn't, we would have seen him. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Huh. Well, it's nice to know that you've got. Uh, you, no matter what it is, if it's injury, if it's. Uh, he's been passed on the on the depth chart. It, it's nice to know that your third back, whether it's him or Javante Barnes, is of that type of quality. So uh, that definitely does feel good. Hey, so what was the uh, what was the thought coming out of the recruiting weekend? I didn't get, didn't get a chance to hear much oh, from you and Parker Thune. Well, there are a couple storylines. There's a 1A storyline and a 1B storyline. Caden McDonald, right. who you really want out of the state of Georgia, four-star defensive lineman. He's a six foot three, 310-pound interior guy on your D-line, what you're looking for. He was uh, dancing with the team in the locker room after the game, having a good old time. Nice. I, it, it sounds like he's going to announce on Halloween, uh, October 31st, so two weeks from the day. You're hoping that you can really close the gap there, but kind of feels like Clemson's the leader. Hopefully OU can make that even more interesting down the stretch. So Akana thought you were the leader going in. You're the leader coming out now is what it feels like. Um, but 1B is Colton Vosick was at Texas again on Saturday. And he wasn't sitting with his parents. He was sitting with Arch Manning and the recruits during that Texas-Iowa State mm. game. And my comment was, you know, going to the Alabama-Texas game as an Austin native is one thing. Heck, even the boss, he told us he was at the Alabama-Texas game. It was such a big deal. But going to the Texas-Iowa State game for an 11 a.m. kick, I feel like that's a lot different. And I am definitely more nervous that OU's going to hold on to Vosick before we get to signing day. Yeah. Well, uh, that that's that's going to be that would be a tough one to hang on to, anyways. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know that I would. Uh, I'm not too quick to change my opinion on it just yet. And here's the thing, and I'll say this: I have no idea. Uh, it it is not my specialty. I have talked to no one about the situation at all. But, you know, the Manning kid is a celebrity, and you get a call to go hang out with him on a recruiting weekend and watch the football game. I, it's not that big of a shock to me that he would agree to that. Yeah. It is a- so there's that there, but I do agree with you that, you know, it. it, it it's felt like all along it's going to be difficult to hang on to that one anyways. He did make a comment after that that he's still, not the exact quote, but you know he's still committed to Oklahoma, still like 100% committed. What like what you you would expect him to say? But I think it's natural to feel a lot more nervous, especially yeah. now. Like I was telling Parker earlier, there's two points in this recruiting cycle this year. It's pre David Hicks and it's post David Hicks. Pre David Hicks, there'd be a lot more positive outlook on things, right? Oh, no, hey, Todd Bates, man, Miguel Chavis, those guys, Brent Venables, like 
they'll they'll figure out a way to make it happen. It's all good. But post David Hicks, that's kind of uh, that hurt a lot of people, and a lot yeah. of people kind of have more of a negative outlook on things when it looks kind of interesting for a committed player or an uncommitted player. Well, it'd be tough, you know. Um, I'm guessing, like, if if you do lose Voss, it could obviously be to Texas, right? Um, and then, like, you feel good that you lead on the Akana kid, but I think the other team probably in the mix on that is Texas also, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he took the visit there for Alabama-Texas. And then he was at LSU a couple weeks ago, but it, that's it, that's what it feels like. Uh, text line: Vosick said he's 100% OU again today. Okay. Also, text line says that uh, I guess BV said last night on the show that Major was a little gimpy, but he'll be back for Iowa State. Good. He also said Good. Bowman might be out longer than expected. That sucks. Yeah. Downs is in yeah. concussion protocol, but he was feeling good after the game, and they expect him back for Iowa State. Nice. Nice. All good things. Is Bowman, All... a, Bowman a knee? Is that what he's got? Yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. Which, you know, when it when it happened and kind of when I heard what the injury was, I, I expected him to be gone for a little bit. I mean, there's a, there's a decent range on that injury, and sometimes it's it just kind of depends on the athlete on how it progresses. So we'll see with him. I feel like we've been – improving at that spot but boy it would be nice to get him back here's the thing though man i i when you're talking about a knee injury and coming back from it i we're not winning the national championship this year right not with that attitude no well you know you want to win every game obviously and i'm not saying that but i would hate to because he's got some instability there for him to really rush to get back and, and do something worse to it. So I I got no problem with them uh, staying on the side of caution with him, for sure. Zane says he's a lifelong Utes fan. Uh, he wants to congratulate them on their win over Carl's Jr. and Muleshoe from your cousin, yeah. Benny. So thank you for that. Uh, back to OU. I just – I don't know why I find it kind of funny. I, I love the game plan, fully support the game plan. I hope it's the game plan moving forward. But after Marvin Mims has, like, one touch for negative two yards, I don't know why I laugh that he had 16 targets on Saturday. Just doing everything in their power to make sure he gets as many opportunities as possible. And I love it. Well, Nine receptions for 106 yards. It's nuts. But they didn't force anything. It's no, not they like, didn't. No. You know, those, those, were, those are solid opportunities. And here's the thing, man. What, he had, he had 16 targets. We ran exactly 100 plays. So he was targeted on 16% of the snaps. That's really not all that much. You know, if you ran if you ran 65 plays and he was targeted 16 times, well, that all of a sudden looks a lot different, you know. But out of 100 plays, he was targeted on 16% of them, you know, and he's your best player. I'd say that's a that's a pretty pretty good percentage. Like there. I said, I fully support the percentage. Like mm-hmm. by all means, continue to do that. Um, I think your best three players on this team are Braden Willis, Marvin Mims, Eric Gray, in no particular order. And Dylan Gabriel's probably fourth behind that. So feed those guys, and that's what they did Saturday, man. It, it was 
it was not a simple game plan, but it was simple in that they know who their best players are, so they fed in the ball. Amazing things oh, yeah. happen when that when you do that. Yeah. Well, amazing things happen when you have the capability of, you know, that's the bad thing about the backup quarterback situation. I mean, you can, but I to get the best out of him, it's not like you can just hand him the football. He's a receiver. He's part of an equation, right? You got to protect, you got to deliver, and you got to catch. And you know, unfortunately, with our backup quarterback in the situation that it is, like that's just how it's going to be if Dylan Gabriel's not out there this year. Uh, as we go to break, I'm interested to hear what the text line has to say, and I'm not saying that you necessarily should I'm just asking did your thoughts change or have your thoughts changed about this team whatsoever after Saturday's win 405-651-3439 yeah I can't wait to hear what they say either um you think it'll be positive or negative responses that we get on this I think it'll be positive I think it'll be positive I don't think it's going to be like overwhelmingly positive, like all of a sudden we're the best team in the conference. But I think people are going to have a, a little bit better yeah. uh, idea or picture of the team moving forward. Uh, here's Jimmy than, in Tulsa. He says, can someone help me understand how we are close on defense, or is that a joke? Giving up 40-plus points in four straight and who knows how many one-minute scoring drives. Well, here's the thing, Jimmy in Tulsa. Close to what? I, that's what you got to – the first thing you got to do is define like the goal for this year. Are they close to being the number one defense in the country? Absolutely not. Are they close to being the best defense in the conference? Absolutely not. Are are there some reasons to feel better defensively on the back half of this uh, schedule than there uh, has been leading up to this moment? In my opinion, yes. So it all depends on, on what you're actually looking for there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Newcastle next. There's OC Jeff Levy after the game on Saturday. 405-651-3439 if you want to interact with the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's see what they're saying. Do you feel any differently about this team after a Saturday's win over KU? Uh, first one says, Teddy, definitely rejuvenated after Saturday. This team could have easily crawled into a hole and died. But I seen the opposite, even if we did give up 42 points. Everyone else on the schedule minus OSU looks human. I could see a 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one down the stretch. It's a good point. It's something that we haven't discussed yet, but... I guess after a three-game losing streak and getting shut out by your biggest rival, the season could have gone two different ways. This did, that did not look like a checked-out football team on Saturday, and I think that's a major win. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, three and two, or four and one down the stretch. Uh, four and one, an eight and four finish to the season after what it felt like, you know, dropping three straight would probably go a long way but you know I and like I, I would if I had to look at it right now and put a percentage on it for three and two 
four and one, five and zero. Oh, I would say probably a ten percent chance of five and zero oh right now. Okay. Probably a thirty percent chance of four and one, and probably a fifty percent chance of three and two, and that leaves just like a, a one and five chance to be worse than three and two down the stretch to be either two and three or or one and four and i don't know it just off the top of my head that's probably how i feel about i wonder it right how now. vegas would feel about that if they'd be closer to four and one or three and two because i feel like those are the two numbers that we would re- really be talking about will you mm-hmm. be favored in the rest of your games um i think you will at iowa state i think you will at home against baylor if you are against Oklahoma State at home, then you you, you could be. Probably. I mean, you might be, you know. It's crazy to think yeah. about. Probably. You do have, you know, three of your final five are on the road. But if you had to pick the three to be on the road, it would be Iowa State, West Virginia, and Tech, and not Baylor and Oklahoma State. At least right now that's how I feel about it, you know, I, Maybe that that changes a little bit um, as as we get to see some more of these teams moving forward. But yeah, i I don't think I don't think five and zero is off the table. I think that right now we're at least as good and probably a little bit better than four of the five teams. Uh, Oklahoma State being the one that we're not, and having them at home in that game. And hopefully, if we're on a winning streak at that point, I mean, a lot. De- like, how you feel about that game really depends on like how you've been playing going into it, right? Yeah. So it's hard to well, and maybe really pick it right Spencer now. Sanders' shoulder too. Like, what's the what's the deal with that? I, oh, I, looked, he's all right. I looked at his numbers from Saturday earlier, and I'll go back and look at they they weren't uh, they weren't very sexy in a game they scored forty points. His numbers were. 16 to 36. Now we did have 245 yards, one touchdown, one pick, but 16 to 36. Yikes. Yeah, and he was running all over the place. And he was really good until the fourth quarter. Like I don't know what his numbers were going into the fourth quarter, but they were way better than what they ended up being. Uh let's see. So, 917 area code. Before the Kansas game, it looked like OU had a strong possibility to lose the rest of their games. After the Kansas game, it looks like there's a real possibility OU could lose or win all of the rest of their games. Yeah, I, I could be way off on this. I just I don't get the feeling today that OU could lose the rest of their games. I'd be very surprised if that happened. Well, I guess anything's possible with this team, but here here's the thing: if Dylan Gabriel plays quarterback for the remaining five games, they won't lose all five. If Dylan Gabriel is out for any of those games, all bets are off yep. about that football for game. Sure. We know what we're – like backup quarterback, if he's not in the game, we better have a massive lead whenever he goes out. It's like someone asked, like, okay, who's quarterback two now or QB two now? Uh, probably Booty or Evers. I don't think much has changed from the conversation from last week. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even want to talk about that because, frankly, I, prefer not I still either. believe that it, it just doesn't even matter who it is. It doesn't matter to me if it's Booty, if it's Bevel, or if it's Evers. It does matter we're to me in, if it's Bevel. It's, we're in a bad spot. 
Uh, Sooners yeah. go nine and three down the stretch and put the Debbie Doubters to rest. Look at these people, man. Uh, they go five and zero the rest of the way with a victory over Muleshoe in the Alamo Bowl. Dang. Uh, let's see. This team looks more like last year. Overwhelming offense with scores enough to hide defensive flaws. It's hard to snap the Grinch tendency out of players in a few months. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I Here's the thing. Okay. And I know how everyone feels about the previous staff. But I don't know that it's fair to put all of Oklahoma's defensive issues on the previous staff. When is the last time, like 2015 is the last time that we've had like a top 30, top 25 defense? And I that was a one-off year coming off of 14 where they sure weren't, and I don't know what they were, 13. So I, there's been a long time coming on a defensive rebuild. And I... I, it's just, you know, does that make sense? It, no, Do you agree yeah. with that? Well, I mean, the point is is that they weren't playing great defense long before Grinch got here, which is accurate. Right. So that's kind of where I stand on that. I, they were trying to rebuild from the ground up as well whenever they came in and trying to trying to turn over things and recruit, which, you know, it's hard. You have an offensive coach that – is going to cater to the offense and is going to have the final call on on recruiting and numbers and who all they need to take and who gets precedent and priority. So it's not like they just had a super easy run of it here themselves. So A little positive, but Kansas with a backup quarterback is the worst team we've played since Nebraska. I'm confident now in our chances against every team left that isn't from Oklahoma. It's true. It's the worst team we've played since Nebraska, but it's not. They're not a bad team, and that's why I think the back half of the schedule is somewhat promising. Is because Kansas State, TCU, like two of the three teams that we lost to, are still undefeated uh, in in conference play. TCU's undefeated overall, right? So this one says in the, and the sh- other one we didn't have our quarterback at all and the show was going so well but here comes Teddy giving the previous regime some rope with an expletive at the end I know sometimes you just gotta admit that it's just it's just way healthier just to blame the previous staff it's a whole <laughs> lot more fun I, know. I just troll the it's previous true. staff that's just what I do as right. heard in the uh, three and five o'clock uh, hour opens I just uh, I just can't believe he dropped a four-letter word in the press conference. It was so great. Ah, it's great. I can't believe, by the way that that sounds, that that is an S-bomb and not an F-bomb. I know. Well, and after I put the beep together, I I heard it multiple times. It was definitely an S-bomb. But it, you're right. It definitely sounds like we we should just say that it is an f bomb. Who's gonna know? It's a well it's a well placed bleep that you added in there to make it <laughs> sounds like it, he says it after the beep, but he doesn't. Ah, <laughs> I love it. What a tool. Uh, good stuff. 
What a tool. What, the beat button that you've got or? No, that guy sitting behind the podium <laughs> wearing, a, wearing a visor and, like, looking all, uh, you know, he had the, oh, my, uh, Caleb Williams had his uh, attempted at a Tim Tebow moment. I hate losing, you know, crying up there at the podium and Lincoln's just nodding his head, looking at him with those pup, puppy dog eyes. Get out of here. He's acting like they're going to run the rest of the table and go to the playoff. I say, uh, that ain't happening, dude. I don't even think they're no, the best I, team in their city. I think UCLA's better. UCLA's good, dude. They are – I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't count UCLA out, and I haven't seen – I've only seen two games of theirs, but in both of those games, they looked fantastic. I wouldn't count UCLA out of the college football playoff. Oregon, obviously, if they if they win out, they'll be a really strong candidate. But it's still going to be really difficult to overlook that uh, that Georgia loss, right? Oh, yeah. Especially if they're maybe perhaps up against Oregon on trying to get in, or uh, uh, up against Georgia rather on trying to get in. So UCLA is a six point dog in Austin. Two thirty on Fox is that kickoff. That's UCLA looks better, but dude, Bo Nix has been money since that Georgia game. Yeah, this is a big game, though. Big game, Bo Nix hasn't been great in the past. 70% completions for him, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. His his yardage numbers aren't overwhelming, um, but, you know, I I lean towards UCLA in that game. Sneaky good game. Um, I, I, maybe most people think nationally that Texas at Oklahoma State's the best game of the weekend in the conference, which Texas minus six is still the strangest line of the entire weekend. But that K-State at TCU game is massive, man. That's huge. TCU wins that game. It, it almost feels like sign, seal, deliver. They're going to go to the Big 12 championship game. Right. Yep. That's um, – Yeah. TCU is there in a, a really good position. And like I said before, man, I very, very, very small percentage chance. But, I mean, I, I you went out. Who knows what, what might happen down the stretch. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Hanging out here at Newcastle Casino. Come see us. In hotel, bring you the final hour. How about that exchange uh, right before the half, the first half offensively? They missed the uh, Marvin Mims touchdown, which we talked about today, so they shouldn't even have been put in this spot. But the clock starts, and they spike it, and then they go for it, and they don't get in the end zone, which I actually supported and still support. You're 3-3, three and three, go be aggressive. But that was one of the more odd exchanges I think we've seen this year. Yeah, that was um... – it was weird because it, it was hard, you know, at least on the radio broadcast, it was hard to get clarification exactly on, like, you know, was the clock – like, we never heard the ruling of whether or not he was – they ruled him out of bounds or if they ruled him down. And we assumed they ruled him out of bounds, which we were kind of baffled on the spiking the football because – why did we think they ruled him out of bounds? I don't know, because maybe his knee never touched the ground. How about that? You know, so I don't know. It was weird. 
Yeah, it, it was weird. And that was um, a sour ending to what was, wasn't it the second highest number of total yards OU has ever put together in a half, in any half? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was I think I saw that tweet on Saturday. It's like, dang, that's how good the first half was offensively. Yeah, and gosh, I, I thought the first one, he should have gone over the top, um, and I think he would have made it. And the second one, I wish they would have run uh, a naked with uh, Dylan Gabriel. Let it, let it be were, on it record just, that Teddy does say naked like everyone else around here and not naked. So, the naked, naked boot. Yeah. Naked boot. That, it just sounds incorrect know, to me. Say naked. Yeah, but yeah. what was interesting, Saturday is, you know, we spent a lot of the week talking about, yeah, I think the Braden Willis package is going to be a thing moving forward, and maybe it will be, mm-hmm. but I guess they used more Eric Gray in like a direct snap in that spot than, than Braden Willis. I. I thought it was interesting that they had opportunities, especially around the goal line, to use it, and that they didn't. Yeah. Well, I just wonder if that's a, any sign moving forward on how much we'll see it. I don't know. I don't know. I, interesting. You know, I, I think you should be able to to go under center and get that in that position. Um you got to be able to move them off the football. I know they're piled in there. and In my opinion, that, that situation kind of favors the defense, but you still like to be able to have the, the mindset to go under center and get it done because there's there's no threat of the quarterback, right, whenever you're under center. And that that's why uh, the Logan kid was able to sell out like he, like he did off the edge. So... And maybe that was yep. what that was more about is, I mean, we could roll with the Willis package in this game, but, you know, not, not that you're not playing for anything right now. You definitely are. But this is about – this spot in this game is about us asserting our dominance on the offensive line. Yeah. Maybe, maybe so. I, I don't know. Who knows? And I'm okay with that. Either way, honestly, um, wish they would have punched it in, but they didn't, and – it kind of left you a little deflated going in and gave Kansas a little bit of momentum going into halftime. Was it a 14-point um, game going into half? It's like, dang, it feels like you dominated the first half and you look up and you're only at 14. If they go down and score, they're only down seven. That didn't happen, but it was a huge momentum shift. Yeah, let's see. It was 35-21 at half. 35-21, so it would have been 42-21. Yeah. At half. Huge difference. That that would have been big. Now, we yeah. have not been trying to sell that this defense is elite. Some people have still been like, what are you guys pumping sunshine about the defense about? That hasn't been the point. But if we're talking because they don't listen. If we're talking about strides that were made defensively, where do we start with that conversation? Improvement. I saw some signs of improvement. Th- the reason is because Kansas, what Kansas does offensively is plays exactly to what has given us the most trouble. Adjustments, pre-snap to motions and shifts, and making sure that everyone is in the right place, playing the right call, aligned properly. Movement on every snap, exotic formations, Shifting to exotic formations, motioning to and from exotic formations, 
one-off type of plays, almost like gotcha trick plays, uh, and they're really good at it and really efficient at it. That's been our problem. And I saw a lot of progress in guys communicating, identifying problem areas pre-snap, talking about what they may or may not get. Um, you know, the, the final number, we were hurt by the three turnovers by our offense, put us in some bad spots. Two of them were on our side of the field. Um, so, again, I'm not sitting here trying to say that we're – we're a missed tackle away from being the best defense in the country. Haven't said that at all. All I'm saying is I see some signs of improvement at the halfway point in the season, and especially going into a bye week. I think there's some reason to have some optimism that we can be better in the back half than we were in the front half. Peyton thinks he has the answer. It's Key Lawrence in all caps. The answer for what? What I just asked you, where do we see the strides defensively take place? What are we talking about? He says Key Lawrence. We better be more than Key Lawrence. I don't. There's not one player defensively, starter, rotational guy, anyone that can't play way better on the back end, on the back half of the season. And, you know, one of the things I talked about before this season, I didn't think it was going to be to this level, is that a lot of our younger guys are going to be totally different players on the back half of the season than they are early on i'm still hopeful that 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 is the case all right quick time out more for the rush coming up we'll wrap the day up next stay tuned very fair point i think it's a good point why do some think osu is so unbeatable if we make spencer sanders beat us through the air and then someone said you know, why do like why why are OU fans just kind of conceding as the OSU is going to come in here and win? Have you not seen the overall history of, of this rivalry? And I, I think it's a very fair point. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I, the re- I just think that as you look at it right now, it is the um, it's it's the game on the back part of the schedule that you have to at least. Like, like right now, I favor Oklahoma State in the matchup. As things sit right now, it, it wouldn't take much for me to to change how I feel about that football game. Um, you know, for for a bunch of different reasons, defense starts to play a little bit better, as I think they might. Uh, offense, Dylan Gabriel finds a, a really nice rhythm in the back half of the season. Um, you know, Oklahoma State falls off they take some injuries like the bunch of things can change by the time we play that football game so there's there's like if we played that game this weekend i don't know how strongly i would feel that or how much i would favor oklahoma state yeah well it's just interesting and you know it's it's one win it was a much needed win and i understand fully that things can turn around the other way real quick there's no doubt but yeah. I, I, I guess from the text line, from our conversations today, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if there's a scenario the rest of the year where anyone's going to call this a great season. I don't think anyone's going to call this a great season, even if they went out. But it does feel like there's some optimism and even a path now the rest of the year where you may not call it a great, uh, great season, 
but you might say, wow, we really accomplished something here this year, especially the second half. You, you get what I'm getting at here? Sure. Where it was yeah. all doom and gloom. It seems like there's some path of optimism heading into the offseason, I guess. No, I agree with that. Uh, here's the other thing on the Oklahoma State situation. I, I think they beat Texas this weekend. But we've still yet to see Oklahoma State beat a team that Oklahoma lost to. So, you know, I, I think that that is like one of the factors moving forward. We lost to Kansas State. We lost to TCU, the two teams that are undefeated in conference play. We lost to Texas, but we didn't even have our quarterback in that game. I'm not saying you throw it away, but it's hard to know exactly how much, if any, that Texas is actually better than, than Oklahoma. So, I don't know. Still a lot to uh, unfold here on the back half. Thanks to Newcastle for having us out. Thanks to you guys. Killed it on the text line. As always, go have a Pacifico. You've earned it.